0: to garbage film this is the show that is seeking to prove that arty and trashy movies have a lot in common you don't need to enjoy just one or the other to do so we will take this movie of the weekend pair it with something ardier or trashier and hope that you discover an unexpected new favorite or at the very least are entertained i am one of your hosts nick and with me as always is the matchstick stick to my flat surfaces aaron is here hi aaron hi
1: how you doing good we come into contact with one another approximately 100 times over the course of this podcast, and that will be true to life, true yeah, to yeah, movie. I,
0: very much. Every scene, constantly. <laughs> <laughs> this is a new month. We're finished spooky season. Forget about all that. Get out of here. here. We're into November officially.
1: Get in here. <laughs>
0: I like the idea that's just two rooms. That's
1: yeah, <laughs> I'm the boss of what <laughs> season it is.
0: <laughs> uh, we will take our cynical attitudes to work against the very system itself by bringing hard boiled individuals, complete with monologues, to you. That was a little monologue there.
1: Nice, <laughs> <laughs> a little taste of what to expect.
0: <laughs> and to start out the proceedings, we are talking about Robert Altman's The Long Goodbye from 1973. This is where I'm supposed to
1: say, what is
0: all this about? And he says, uh, shut up, I asked the question. Yeah, yeah. I don't believe he killed her, I don't believe he killed himself. So.
1: There's a long goodbye.
0: Smart ass, that's what he is. Oh, I'm sorry, I only see who it's by appointment.
1: It happens every day. I'm gonna go and I'm calling Ronald Reagan and getting you kicked your ass off. When some passerby... Where do you think you're going, Harry? You know, you're not supposed to let me see you following me. Now button your clothes, be neat, and go sit in the car. No! no.
0: Goodbye. This is a, I guess you'd call it, like, lightly satirical of of noir. It's a neo-noir.
1: I suppose you could make that argument, the way it's made. Like, the, the modernization definitely feels like it's poking fun a little bit at, like, 50s serial noirs.
0: Yeah, yeah. Like, this is how it really works, old man. Yeah. Made by an old man, though, so. <laughs>
1: Just a series of pre- or current old men.
0: <laughs> so here's a, a little synopsis for y'all. If you are not aware of The Long Goodbye, this is... Uh, I wanted to start the month with this, because this is probably one of, if not my favorite, neo-noirs, and definitely my favorite Altman movie. Mm. Uh, so mm-hmm. we join our noir already in progress. Uh, beep,
1: beep, 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 <laughs>
0: the middle of the night, and private eye Philip Marlowe is woken up to help his friend Terry Lennox out of a jam by driving him to the Mexican border. When he returns home, the police are waiting for him, and he learns that Terry's wife Sylvia has been killed, but he doesn't believe that Terry did it, uh, especially after Terry is found dead in Mexico. Marlowe is uh, visited by a mobster who wants to know what happened to the money Lennox was supposed to deliver for him, complicating matters, but meanwhile... Marlowe is hired by uh, a distraught spouse, Eileen Wade, to find her husband, who has a habit of disappearing. It soon becomes obvious that Terry's death, the Wades, and Augustine are all interconnected because, you know, it's a mystery. Good stuff. You got those different uh, plot lines all intersecting. <laughs> uh, figuring out just what those connections are, however, will be anything but easy.
1: <laughs> dun, dun, dun. <laughs> Thank you, IMDb, I yes. assume. Yes.
0: That's It's a, a very succinct way for this really meandery as hell movie to break that down. <laughs> this
1: very Altmany movie. So yes. Altmany, yeah. Yes. I think the thing I one one of these days I would love to see a noir that has two different you know, one mystery ongoing, and then the, the detective gets hired to do a different thing. And for them never to connect at all, this guy is just <laughs> dealing with two different cases. I
0: feel like Inherent Vice comes a little close-ish to that. It's been a while since I've seen it, so I can't quite remember.
1: I don't even, yeah. <laughs>
0: <laughs> but that feels the most like you're trying to put framework on it, the, the usual framework on it. It's just like, nah, it's not, not really.
1: Yeah. No. <laughs> don't, don't even bother.
0: Yeah. So, uh, as we were saying, this is directed by a little man named Robert Altman um is he a little man yeah i think he's uh, average height probably okay <laughs> he Most was a little boy. on my screen when i saw him <laughs> <laughs>
1: oh, i have bad news for you <laughs>
0: uh it's of course based on the long goodbye by raymond chandler uh so as aaron said this is like a modern setting of a of a 40s style mystery with screenplay by the great lee Brackett. woo lovely Brackett. if you're unfamiliar with lee bracket you're not <laughs> um, she was called the Queen of Space Opera, a major sci-fi novelist who also wrote westerns. So, like, she wrote Rio Bravo, she wrote The Empire Strikes Back, uh, she passed away in 1978, unfortunately very early, but she was the first woman nominated for a Hugo Award in, uh, 1956.
1: I did not know that. Yeah. Uh, but
0: That's she was hired terrible. for this movie specifically because she worked on The Big Sleep, which was uh, an actual noir in the 40s, not making fun of. In
1: the time of, Yeah.
0: Well, Exactly.
1: Yeah. Friend of the pod, Lee Brackett.
0: We love Lee Brackett. Yes. Uh, and of course we love Elliot Gould.
1: A guy who I always want to claim as Canadian, even though he's not. You
0: know what do they think it is? Is because we, he has very similar hair to Donald Sutherland, and I feel like <laughs> we always, I, I know my confusion, I'm always like, oh, Donald Sutherland isn't Canadian, because I'm thinking of Elliot Gould. Right. And now no, vice no. Versa. Yeah. It's
1: the, yeah. Yeah. just bring Kiefer into it do your Canadian duty and think of Kiefer Sutherland every 20 seconds on the regular oh for sure oh for sure you betcha oh yeah
0: (laughs) but Elliot Gould I'm just he's in a lot of Canadian movies I feel like so I just like I've decided he's he's in there he's one of us (laughs) he's honorary Yep. yep uh but one of my favorite performances of his of anything He's absolutely perfect. I love it.
1: He's always a lot of fun to watch. Like yeah. I, I, in particular, I always remember him in Nashville, mm. which he's in. He's in as himself, but only for like That's ten minutes. For like, yeah, if that. He like <laughs> shows up at a party, and I still remember that just being like a very, a very distinct performance, which is very funny.
0: Yeah, he has quite the like understated, correct, char- charismatic swagger. Yeah, on yeah, screen, yeah.
1: Yeah, he's great to watch,
0: which is perfect for this. And like, yes. it's an Altman movie, so it's mostly improvised. So
1: <laughs> improvised mumblings. Mm-hmm. Can you imagine what it's like to work on this fucking these movies as a sound editor? Oh my god! Like, <laughs> uh, <sighs> alcoholism.
0: Uh, we've also got Nino Van pellant Sterling Hayden, Henry Gibson, who I know I know as the Illinois Nazi from Blues Brothers, yep. uh, and Jim booton uh, which is very funny, is Timmy Lennox. He's a baseball player. He's not an actor. Oh. Uh, it was supposed to be Stacey Keach, but he got very sick the day before shooting. So, Elliot Gould, who is friends with a bunch of ball players, calls up Jim Boot and he's like, You want to be in a movie? <laughs> it's only like five scenes. <laughs>
1: yeah, y- you do die like right away. <laughs> really? Okay, that's yeah. funny. All right.
0: He did some other acting stuff too, so it wasn't like wholly oh, okay. weird, right. but like just kind of bizarre. Uh, but the real reason we're all here. Morris the Cat.
1: Morris! One of our great screen cats. Yes. The greatest screen
0: cat possibly? Possibly.
1: He's of, up... of stage and screen. Mm-hmm. I'm counting television commercials for cat food as stage. <laughs> I was gonna say, is
0: he walking the boards?
1: <laughs> He's shredding them. Uh, in In the pursuit of cat food sales, yes.
0: Yep. And I feel like Morris the Cat and the dog from the thing, those are like the two best on screen like morris the cat in this sure, sure sure yeah that, the thing, like the perfect sh- uh animal acting power couple yep
1: Yep. <laughs> <laughs> i personally really like the dog from the hidden
0: oh yes a that's new a good favorite one. yes yes, yeah. yes. Very also. Good. and also i would be remiss if i didn't mention the acting debut of arnold schwarzenegger with his little oh, yeah. mustache
1: that's right his little mustache and his little underwear yeah. they somehow find an excuse to get Arnold Schwarzenegger in his underwear very funny I don't funny think seasons. he has lines no he does not but no. he definitely
0: strips yeah he strips and he's just like flexing a little bit and <laughs> just drawing too much attention to it's him, so. really
1: funny like if you didn't know that he was him and if he didn't go on to do a thing you'd be like did anyone teach this guy about acting or like what's going on
0: it is funny hearing Altman talk about this movie where he's like yeah he was in some like documentary called Pumping Iron I don't know I'd never heard of him but he's like yeah he'd make a Hench- henchman yeah, he's, he's beefy all right he's been on a set before he knows what it's <laughs> like, like yeah,
1: okay so there you go with a little mustache so if that's if you've had that on your wish list
0: yeah that, this is be. a big it's on your bucket list it's on everybody's bucket
1: list yeah you, you didn't see know you needed it until you see it a then,
0: huge yeah. man with a little mustache
1: <laughs> that's the charm of dave bautista and his tiny glasses <laughs> i think yes yeah
0: exact same energy yeah <laughs>
1: Oh, they're too small for him. <laughs> anyway,
0: <laughs> and uh, we'll we'll probably talk about this more. But uh, music and that singular music by One John music. Williams,
1: who yeah. have, <laughs> as we've discussed before, started out as a, a jazz guy, yep. like creatively. I think for you know he had to grind for a few years as like doing band arrangements or whatever. Yeah, he,
0: like, went to school for, for that yeah. sort of thing. So, like, yeah, he's flexing his jazz muscles here. This is before he becomes a Jaws guy. Yeah. So he doesn't have to do the big symphony stuff yet. So he writes one song, and they just rearrange it <laughs> over and over and over.
1: Which, as someone who's done this work, is really hard. Yeah. It's hard to do. It's
0: hard to make it unique. Yes,
1: yeah. it's hard to make it sound like it's supposed to be in the style that you're you're moving it into and if the, it wasn't born there.
0: The fucking, the opening... Uh, kind of under the credits when we've got it, we've got, I think, three versions of the song happening between scenes, at least two, where it cuts to, like, Terry Lennox in his car and Elliot Gould in the grocery store, and then the just, the non-diegetic music that's happening, too. Yeah,
1: the soundtrack. Where
0: it's cutting between them, and they're at different points in the song, and they're in different keys.
1: Everybody gets their own version before they all meet up here. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. It's very confusing. But the thing, the thing I love, well, the thing I love about uh, the introduction of you the viewer to the soundtrack is it starts off you know elliot gold is like asleep he's passed mm-hmm. out on his bed and the radio or something is playing hooray for hollywood yes <laughs> Which i love so much it's just the goofiest most cheerful little tune and then it segues into this like depressing ass blues standard thing.
0: Yeah, and that's like, that. I, I like the way you put it, his version of it, because that's like, he's a 40s guy and he's got his 40s music.
1: Totally. Like, this was the, it's almost like he's having a dream of like, ah, these were the glory days when I was a famous novel character. <laughs> like, it feels like he's been asleep since that song premiered. Oh my God. And this he's is, just waking up now.
0: Do you, have you read about this movie outside of no. stuff? Because that's no, no. exactly what Altman was going for. It oh, was really? like, the reason he's waking up at the beginning is because you're like, oh, he's been asleep since like,
1: He's a real Sleeping Beauty here. Yeah,
0: he, he wanted to call the movie Rip Von Marlowe.
1: <laughs> that it would have been so misleading as like a t- I don't know. There's something there's something oh, like yeah. '80s action hero about that that so I don't confusing. care for it yet. <laughs> but okay, then I totally get it. Yeah, it's
0: like I. You know that there's something, like, he doesn't fit into the time of the movie he's in, and, yeah. like, that just feels, like, vaguely noir right? You got an outsider yeah. working outside the system. Like, that's yeah. just, that's such a, a trope, but to establish it as, oh, here's a guy that, like, didn't change with the times or, like, in any way.
1: No. Still dresses the same. Still talks the same. Yeah. Still, yeah. All of
0: his references are, like, 40s yeah. things. <laughs> he, like, brings up, like, Al Jolson and... <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah, that's right. Yeah, and he's he's got a real little friendship going with like the security guy uh, that yeah. is constantly doing impressions of like 40s, you know, <laughs> studio movie stars. <laughs> Bring Very up Walter cute. Brennan. Like, does
0: anybody remember Walter <laughs> Brennan?
1: I barely know Walter Brennan, and he's in some of my favorite movies ever. He's in Rio Bravo. <laughs> there you go. Thank you, Lee Brackett.
0: Uh But yeah, while we're talking about this, I just want to mention that like his his bar that he goes to is like a 40s-style bar.
1: Yeah, okay, this bartender that's at his bar. So he's like, you know, he, he hooks up with Terry and... and goes about his day and whatever, and then he's do and then he just kinda slips right back into the like hard boiled detective thing of like, yeah, yeah, go to the bar at one PM, right? <laughs> and the pianist is practicing a version of of the Long Goodbye. Yeah. He's like, Oh, this is for the lunch crowd. Like you're you're drinking a double at lunch with nothing else eating nothing else and the bartender has like he's in his shirt sleeves and a little perky little bow tie with his little haircut and he's like we just got some new sandwiches in like he's just where did they find this guy this
0: is yeah it's 1943 the only place that he fits marlo like walking in here it's great but he's He's got a, like, his car is, like, a 1940s car. His Amazing. Nobody's wearing a suit. Like, he's the only guy in a tie yeah. the whole way through. He's smoking, like, as we said, striking matches on everything. That's his superpower. It's
1: so funny. <laughs> it becomes funnier every time you see him do it. <laughs> He can light a cigarette anywhere. Yeah, like
0: at first it's like, oh yeah, he just lit it on the door frame. Oh sure, he. At one point he like bends in half and strikes it on the asphalt. You're like, yeah. what are you doing? <laughs> Why me?
1: did you need to do that? <laughs> he can do the thing where he like flicks it with his thumb. And it, yeah,
0: yeah, you'd think that that's all you'd need. That's but an nope.
1: all-purpose. Yeah, I don't know.
0: But I did, like another reason they did the update is because they didn't want it to be like, oh, here's a Humphrey Bogart style thing. Because like Marlowe is a character that has had other movies made in the 40s so they wanted to like this is different different i
1: i really it works well enough that i never i i never think of that as the same like humphrey bogart and Elliot gold are playing the same character i never think of it that way
0: yeah yeah. not not at all like he has the same catchphrase that it's okay with me is like the catchphrase so like that's it that's about all they got in common yeah humphrey bogart's a small man Elliot Gould he is, is a, a little, tall man. A
1: very tall man, yeah. <laughs> he's almost as tall as Arnold Schwarzenegger, where they're in the office together. I'm like, oh my god. Okay.
0: I, th- I honestly, I think he's a little taller. I think he's like 6'6". Really? Yeah, he's he's a huge guy, He's which a is lanky man. Yeah, this is a stick insect prime. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> but I, so let's go back to the very beginning. Like, yes. Gotta talk about this friggin' cat, man.
1: Oh, I love, love the cat. A great cat opening. so good.
0: Like the, this opening is such a good, like, the When I don't like Altman movies, it's when they feel really unfocused and I can't, like, latch on to anything. Which does work for Sal. So- like, this is just a taste thing. Like, I'm sure, not sure. a big Altman head. But it's because when you just go into the like oh yeah it's just like real life and i'm living in the thing i'm like yeah i live real life all the time
1: i don't need to go somewhere else for that
0: so that that's just a taste thing but the i i was watching a, an interview with elliot gould that summed this up perfectly he's like the reason for the cat scene at the beginning because he's like people would come up to me and be like what's with that cat scene it's nothing to do with anything other than establishing elliot it. gould as a dumb loser in this yeah point,
1: right? a guy with no money and even his cat is smarter than him yeah <laughs>
0: <laughs> where he tries to, he can't get the good cat food that his cat likes, so he gets bad one, and he locks the kitchen door, and he puts the bad cat food he bought in the good cat food can to be like, oh, I, get, I locked you out, out of the side accidentally, can Oops, you come sorry. in.
1: sorry, come in, watch while I open the good <laughs> tin, and scoop out your food that you definitely love, wink wink. Yeah,
0: and pours it in, and of course the cat hates it, and I mean, cat ownership, am I right, fellas? But... <laughs> The Elliot is like the thesis of this movie is you cannot lie to life, and that's like uh. that's the core thing there. Of like the reason Marlowe doesn't work is because he's lying to himself. Of I'm still in the forties. His cat won't take the food, <laughs> just because he wants the end result of the movie to be one way. Like he's going on about what he thinks is happening with Sylvia's murder, yeah. And like he's avoiding the very obvious conclusion because he is lying to himself about it.
1: I really love that. I I think it's such a funny the update being this, not not just a, a modernization of the same story, but, you know, if you had a 40s detective novel where, like, the best friend came to you in the middle of the night with, like, a briefcase full of cash <laughs> and some slashes on his face from, like, his wife's nails, yeah. y- y- by virtue of you reading a detective novel, you'll be like, well, that guy can't have murdered her. Because, yes. Because it's all so obvious. But in real life, like the fuck on obviously that guy murdered his wife like and and that is what ends up being the case and and just this like yeah this well what why would you willfully ignore everything all of the evidence put in front of you just for the thrill of like I've got to find out what really happened like people don't do that anymore you're not necessary yeah and like
0: there's this this feeling of oh he's a friend and so we're loyal to each other and therefore the truth but like their, their introduction scene while they're sitting at each other, they're, they're betting on serial numbers on the, on the dollar money. bills. Yeah. And like, Terry Linux is a good liar established in that scene. Like, it's uh, just there like, you go. <laughs> come on, my dude. But it just enhances. Oh, let's talk about this. I want to dive into how much of a goddamn loser Elliot Gould's <laughs> Marlowe is. This
1: is real loser representation. He's charming, he's cute, he's got a cool cat. Uh, everyone thinks he's a fucking idiot, and he is. <laughs> can barely take care of himself. He tries to feed his cat cottage cheese with salt in it. And uh, does he throw an egg in there? Oh, (laughs) probably. Who the fuck? Probably. (laughs) Think of a disgusting addition to that dish. He's probably done it.
0: (laughs) He's going, mmm, good. I wish I was eating this. You know
1: that he's eaten (laughs) that before because that's all he had in the house. And so he's like, the cat will eat it. Yeah. No, the cat has (laughs) self-respect.
0: It's just, it's so... I don't know what it is, and i know. Hopefully, you can help me articulate this, where yes. I feel like one staple noir thing is, you know, beginning to end, a plot happens, but nothing changes. Yes. And that's, you know, overarching cynicism of, like, the system didn't change, or, like, we can't learn lessons. This will like, happen again. Yeah. yeah. Um, and that, like... Any detective story, they like figure out the thing, and like, even if you're like, wow, this detective was dumb the whole way, the endings tend to play it off as like, and look at how cool he is now. Or, or, sure. or he like, he ultimately cracked the code, or like, it, it there's some like, he
1: came through like, cl- you know, clutch situation, or
0: there's a eureka moment, or something yeah. like that. Whereas in this, it's just scene after scene is everyone just bagging on him over and over, he is a doormat to everybody. And he, yep. maybe it's that he just doesn't care. Like, he clearly doesn't mind where
1: he is, or... No, I mean, yeah. I feel like he's he's fine with it, because he, I think he's used to getting that, you know, if we're thinking of him as someone who genuinely was around in the 40s yeah. and was being a detective, like, let's say, for the sake of argument, hmm. uh, that this is a magical realism movie yes. for some reason.
0: I like that. I'm going to, yeah, this is... <laughs> it's my not exactly fa- right, but... Uh, my favorite fantasy movie, The yeah. Long Goodbye. <laughs>
1: Prepare to start fights. Um, <laughs> the environment that he's in 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 the forties would be people are constantly hostile to him and constantly pushing back and yeah. like trying to hide things from him and lying to him and like trying to push him away because he's the beacon of truth and justice and like you can't have him anywhere near your nefarious doings because yeah. he's gonna figure it out because he's so smart or he's gonna put it together right in the nick of the ti- nick of time, or whatever it is, and. I think he's just, he's, everyone's still mean to him, but for no reason. For reasons that nobody respects him, they're just mean to him. Like, yeah. at least if someone was like, he'll figure it out if we let him get too close, at least they respect you. I think that's the thing he hasn't cottoned on to in the 70s here, is like, yeah. no, they just think you're an idiot. That's all it is. Like, yeah. <laughs> it's hard to tell the difference between, <laughs> like, you know.
0: the cops coming into his apartment being like, bitch, you live like this?
1: Yeah! yeah. <laughs> like, <laughs> like, we can't ransack this place. It's pre-ransacked. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. I think it's it's just a, like, well, everyone's mean to everyone in the 40s and that's, like, a really sad thing to think because just he's used to being treated that way. So. Especially because
0: he's nice to the people that aren't coming at him. Like, his neighbors, yeah. he's nice to his...
1: Yeah, he picks up brushes. neighbors. Yeah. <laughs> and he he does this thing where he never tells the same story twice about what his what's the deal with his neighbors. Yeah, you notice this like he tells Terry they're Rockettes, they're the new Rockettes, and they just moved in, even though that's a New York thing. And like, <laughs> and uh, what they're yoga teachers, like to the next, like to the detectives and. <laughs> Yeah. So he clearly he doesn't know but he he knows them well enough to go pick up groceries for them or like bring them brownies when they have the munchies or whatever. And, like yeah, he's a he's a nice enough guy in that way of like he's not Making other people's lives harder.
0: Yeah. He drives his friend in the middle of the night to Tijuana. <laughs>
1: Pretty nice thing to do, yep. considering. Yep,
0: yes. he loves his cat. That's how you know he's a good person.
1: There you go. Or he's a sucker. Those are your two <laughs> options when you have a cat that you're nice to. That was a
0: little cat door what did to say. El Porto del Gato. Yeah. Or
1: something like <laughs> Puerto that. Porto del Gato. Porto del Gato. And it's just a flap of cardboard. <laughs> but he made the effort, you know? Yeah, um, so he's a nice loser, which yeah. is just kind of a in the the novels that would have worked out like maybe he was a little tough on the outside but he's soft on the inside this guy doesn't even have a tough outside he's all
0: soft yeah he's a he's giant a marshmallow, marshmallow.
1: <laughs> <laughs> a little giant marshmallow <laughs>
0: yeah. oh man so, so great. It's,
1: it's a real character choice right off the bat. Yeah, you're right. Like no no scene ends with him like getting the upper hand on anybody.
0: And even when he's figured out the mystery, you don't see him figure out. You see him like grudgingly like, I guess this is what it is. Yeah. And he confronts uh the big bad at the end and yeah. it's just we get the Hooray for Hollywood yeah. <laughs> uh run out, but like he's still a loser. Like
1: Yeah, nothing. nothing... A woman still died. Yeah, like a lot a, of people died. <laughs> actually, a couple people died. Yeah, it's it's a real... Well, those, those books are all... Thank God there was an individual here to, like, mm. you know, f- recognize what's going on or to, like, if this person hadn't been here. And this is such a... This update is such a, like... There's not going to be a person around every time. This is an yeah. insane way to live your life, thinking that, like, the one good detective is going to swoop in. <laughs> and I think he's kind of defanged appropriately, you know?
0: Yeah, because it is, you know what I think is a part of it, is he has no agency, like, at all. No! He is just, it's, it reminds me of those X-Files episodes where you're like, here's Mulder and Scully, and they're, like, going through their adventure or whatever, and you get to the end of the credits roll, and you're like, why were they there? Yeah. Like, they didn't do anything. <laughs> the
1: Indiana Jones problem. <laughs> yes. Like, yeah. <laughs>
0: <laughs> and I mean it does the like the very ending is like and that's where he makes the difference. That's true. that's what you'd say for it. But like up until that point he's just kind of getting pushed around by everybody.
1: <laughs> yep. And even by the end like yeah he he does it. Woo, but it's he kills a guy everyone thought was already dead. And <laughs> yeah, that's he'll true. never like serve. There'll never be justice served, you know?
0: Yeah. Yeah. That's really funny. He doesn't accomplish
1: anything. Yeah. <laughs> you're a loser well this is
0: what I one yeah. of the reasons I love this movie so much is because this has happened with other movies on the podcast where I feel like the elements of it are all things I don't like like there's no agency it's just meandery it's about mood and there's no plot to it and like there's, there is plot because it's a little sure, sure. guy but like it feels like it's trying to understate the plot at every turn. It's just like watching people react to each other. Yeah. Which is what I don't like Altman movies, that's what I don't like where I'm just like, do something! <laughs> I'm bored! Not that every movie needs that, but <laughs> no, it, it, it is, but, you know, mood and taste for- It's for just moments. what you
1: like, yeah. yeah.
0: But, yeah, it's just something about- I I, I hang it all on Gould's performance. I'm it's like, marvelous. Yeah. That's what does it for me, I think. Like, all the like the things that I know that are improvised, like in the police station when he's in the interrogation room and he starts inking his face up, that's <laughs> improvised, and, like, Cute. big moments like that are all him. Yeah. So, and okay. in interviews, Google's like, yeah, I love this role because Alton was just like, this is the mood, do whatever you want.
1: <laughs> Such a gamble, yeah. but paid <laughs> off. Yeah, I think part of the reason that meandery kind of, like anti-highlighting of the plot works Mm. is because that is how like logical you know all in like sequential unfolding of a mystery is a creation Mm. for movies and for books it's not how it works in real (laughs) life and i think that's that's part of the like yeah these books are escapism. That's not Mm. how anything would work. And so in real life, what you'd have is just him bouncing back and forth between like witness and suspect and suspect number two and other witness and a seemingly unrelated person and just like trying to gather like a little more info each time there's no you know yeah
0: you're not following a timeline you're just building context for the events and then you go with just a a
1: word map is what he's building there's no like yeah (laughs) so i i think the style in this case works perfectly for what the movie is trying to say
0: yeah and i mean i just Every scene with, like, Gould is in virtually every shot of this movie. I think that he, mm-hmm. I think I'm correct in saying that. Yeah. But it is really funny. Like, the, I think about him being a nice guy with the, like, the new gangster who's, like, staking him out and being like, no, you're, you're not supposed to let me see you when you're following me. <laughs> Here's the address I'm going to in case you lose me. Like, it just so Put like some
1: effort in he, I think he really wants to like build that world around him, right where people give a shit oh. of, of his intelligence enough to try and hide themselves from him. You know what I mean?
0: I didn't think of it that way, but that, that lines up with a lot of the, like, yeah, this is what, how things are supposed to go when I'm investigating a mystery. I was just thinking of it as, like, this guy fucks with people. <laughs> I mean, it
1: is also very funny. Yeah. And it is that kind of, like, sad sack nice guy thing where he's like, I'll help you stake me out.
0: <laughs> I guess, yeah, because the way I'm thinking of it and being that, that nice guy, both fucking with, with the, the gangster. And that also adds a I-have-nothing-to-hide bit to his boss, which is true. true. But, yeah. like, he's seen his boss smash a Coke bottle on somebody's face. Like, I don't want this... Youngster, to get his little bag. That's head back.
1: true. That's true. Yeah. <laughs> oh
0: man, I just love this movie. It's so much fun. <laughs>
1: it's a good time.
0: Can I tell you what the taglines were
1: for this movie? Oh God, yeah, sure. The Are mar- these like marketing atrocities? Yes. Yay! The marketing
0: for this movie is so stupid. I like, bet. Uh, just a little bit about it generally was that they like they did a big mock-up of the poster when they did the West Coast premiere, Kay. and it's it looks like a fucking James Bond movie. Oh, like, it's him pointing a gun with, like, a cigarette coming out of his mouth and shooting down crooks, and, like, yeah, it, it sells you the wrong movie. And yeah. so, it had a premiere. Albin saw the poster and was like, no. Uh, and then they did the New York premiere, and then wide release. For the New York premiere, they did a whole new marketing campaign, and it's all c- caricatures. Okay. So, the, like, the movie poster is all of the characters as caricatures, saying, like, dumb noir things and being like but that doesn't make any sense like who like uh, <laughs> he said that he was a hard-boiled detective but he showed up and he couldn't even tie up his shoelaces like that kind of okay. kind of thing just All to right. like because for but he's like yeah this is just a comedy movie like this isn't serious <laughs> okay fair yeah I get that uh, but it is funny where he's just like yeah the the marketing did no favors and I mean here come the taglines oh boy Uh, nothing says goodbye like a bullet <laughs> And I have two friends in the world. One is a cat. The other is a murderer.
1: That's alright. I'll allow that.
0: (laughs) That fits a little bit better, but that first one, that was like on the main poster. It's just like, what the hell are you guys doing?
1: If you can't at all picture your main character saying the thing, maybe don't put it as the tagline for your movie. (laughs) And the other
0: bit that I really like is Altman didn't want to do this movie at first. And he's like, okay, whatever, I'll read the script. Uh, It was written by somebody who was doing noir stuff, so at least it'll be a good script. And he read it, and the ending, as it is in the movie, is like word for word what it is in the first draft of the script. Oh, wow. Uh, And he signed on and had it in his contract that, like, the ending script in the contract to be like, and this cannot change, and I can cut it however I want. And just like, that's the only condition I will sign under. Which is like... All right. Hell yeah. For the past, like, four weeks, I think, we've been talking about the endings of movies and how... The filmmakers have been like, absolutely not. I'm doing whatever I want.
1: It seems to be a real point of contention. I feel like any movie you go to see, there will be a piece of trivia about it that's like, did you know that there was supposed to be a whole other, and and there's like a, there's always a fight involved, like the producers have to get involved, or the studio execs and like, yeah. Yeah. People people want that button.
0: So like Altman for the caricatures, he went to Mad Magazine and they're all drawn by Mad Magazine. <laughs> and the producers were like, What the fuck are you doing? He's like, it'll work, it'll work. And then it was like huge. So Oh,
1: okay. <laughs> I could I could maybe see that. Yeah. Again, at least that's the spirit of the movie, right? Yes. It's just like the forties. What are you doing? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> that's not cool anymore, guy.
0: And the other bit I wanted to talk about with this this movie was cinema- cinematographed. Uh, the cinematographer okay. was uh, <laughs> Vilmos Sigmund who is a right, yes. big famous guy and he I don't think it was that he invented a technique but he like cobbled together some techniques to give this movie its unique look uh, cause I know I have eyes I watched the movie
1: I've, I know that about you
0: <laughs> it's one of my <laughs> I love that teachers. about you yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um And I know that this movie looks a certain way that I can't put my finger on. That's like, this looks different than other movies. Okay. Why? And there's two things. One is, and I'm so aware of it this time, it was so distracting, is that the the camera literally never stops moving. It is 100% of the time, every single scene, even if it's just like the slowest tracking shot in the world around somebody. But it is constantly in zoom in, zoom out on a track, handheld moving around. And it was just... It was done for two reasons, that it would be like, oh, you can't, the visual language isn't giving anything away of what the big mystery is.
1: Right, nothing can be framed the way you would usually frame it for like, oh, look over there in the corner.
0: Yeah, like somebody doesn't say a line and there's an ominous zoom on somebody sitting still. Like that's, it's just, it's all moving. So you're like, I don't, know. Okay, okay. (laughs) Uh, And uh, because Altman was into the like, you know, we're we're on the mission with Marlowe. We're like a little voyeur tagging along. Oh, and That's like, you know, how... You're the sidekick. Yeah, that's how, if you were there, your head doesn't stay completely still. At Speak all for time. yourself. That's one of the things I love about you.
1: Is that I've <laughs> never once moved since we've started this recording.
0: I have eyes, you don't move.
1: <laughs> we're learning a little bit about us, dear viewers. We're the original odd couple. <laughs> <laughs> Normal.
0: <laughs> but the quote from Altman is, The rougher it looked, the more it suited my purpose. So, nice. Yeah. Just to get that reality in there.
1: You must—it must be a joy to work on a movie that's like the point is that the guy is not good at his job, so you can just be like, "I'm matching the guy. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I'm doing the stuff you're not supposed to do. Fuck These you." Shots
0: look terrible. Like I thought it's.
1: Thank what? you. Yeah. <laughs> I agree. They do suit the tone of the movie. You're so
0: right. <laughs> I'm so really gratifying to hear that from you, Sean. Yeah. But the tricky thing that they were trying to like bring out in the movie was like how do we make this feel like you're following this 40s guy who is like walking through a weird memory he's not quite awake for yeah so they did a technique that's called flashing
1: oh yeah <laughs> can i guess what the technique is i wish yes. no i'm not going <laughs> to
0: no, do it you have to now
1: will you wear a trench coat <laughs> and
0: yeah Every. that's why everybody's eyebrows are like
1: Buh? yeah
0: big ups okay do um, do tell So flashing is when you, and I apologize to any technical people in the audience because uh, this is just me repeating Mr. Zygmunt's words, uh, but it's when you you can either apply light to film to pre-expose it or post-expose it. You have two different choices. And in this case, post-exposure. So film gets shot and then you bring it into the lab and you just shine light on it to to kind of degrade it a little on purpose. Mm, Okay. Um, So... The idea of that is it desaturates all the colors okay, and makes everything kind of flat-looking. It pulls out all the contrast and it uh, accentuates all the shadows. So it does things like, I never knew, Marlo's jacket and pants are different colors. His jacket is brown oh. and his pants are blue. And like
1: Oh, couldn't tell you. Yeah,
0: yeah, couldn't tell you. But now that I'm aware of it, watching it this time, I'm like, oh yeah. And it just <laughs> adds to that disheveled, like, I just grabbed what was nearby kind yeah, of yeah. thing. Yeah. <laughs> it was red tie. Okay. Um... Zygmunt quote on that is, we didn't want to recreate the 50s, but to remember them. So he's thinking, like, this is how we're gonna shoot it, like, sepia-toned, kind of.
1: Oh, okay. Not not as vivid. Yeah, it
0: makes everything muted and kind of pastel-y. Okay. Uh, and it it's a better mimicry of human vision when it's, like, out in the sun, as opposed to how film actually captures stuff.
1: I see. It does have that, that sense of, like, you know when it's at, I don't know if you've ever driven at dusk, but where you're like, I, I know that, like, if I'm just scanning the landscape, I can see, you know, this is a, a tree, and that's a stop sign, and, like, there's a house coming up. Yep, as discussed,
0: I have eyes, so that's how I see eyes.
1: I'm trying to relate to you right now. <laughs> you know when you're moving your head around in a normal way, looking at the landscape? <laughs> and But if you if you try and concentrate on details, there's something about the quality of the light. Mm-hmm. Like, it's very dangerous to drive at dusk, because yeah. you can't actually differentiate stuff very well, especially if you're trying to focus hard on it. I don't know what the, what the, like, biological reason for that is, the rods and the cones or yeah, whatever,
0: it, but... it's something to do with your eyes expecting there to be more light than there actually is, so... Yeah,
1: maybe that's it. All
0: the colors are flattened, and your depth perception is fucked up. That's the major thing.
1: And that's, that's what it kind of feels like to watch this movie. It's like you're watching the whole movie at dusk. Yeah. I don't know why.
0: It, despite the fact that it's, like,
1: blazing
0: L.A. sun. Yeah, yeah, yeah,
1: like it is in Los Angeles. Like, most of these things take place in the middle of the day yeah
0: on a beach yeah. <laughs> yeah
1: but the interesting
0: it helped out with the the when i think about the look of this movie the shots that i remember are uh, the wades are having a domestic tiff and marlo's on the beach yes and we see the reflection of marlo on the beach walking around as well as the wades through the window We're you're looking
1: getting, at them through the window and we can see him
0: yeah reflected. you get both shot, and it looks so much more crisp like you can mm. see all of those dimensions really well and it's i find it incredibly disorienting because the camera is also moving
1: yeah <laughs> it's and, a lot it's really hard to like okay he's in the mirror yeah stay still like
0: <laughs> but it like all the dimensions are like it just looks so Cool. And this is where I like. I know I'm watching this, and like, this looks so distinct, and I've never seen another shot that looks like it. And it's all of these elements added together that, like, turns out Vilmos Zsigmond, uh, famed cinematographer, very good <laughs> at his job. So that's uh, that's what I wanted to talk about with Long Goodbye. Do you have any any other highlights in there that you really enjoyed?
1: I mean, there are so many little moments in yeah. this thing, but. Okay, so the, it's, it's a funny, like, I feel like now that you've talked about the cinematography a little, it mm. feels like his dialogue is a little bit the same way where the camera never stops moving and he never fucking stops talking even just to himself he's just always yes. mumbling to himself <laughs> oh but it just kind of sounds like there's a, a a narration happening and it's mm. just leaking out like he's narrating in his head and he's just kind happens to say it out loud that yes. kind of thing yes
0: I did not think of that because there is no voiceover no thing, but yeah. he is doing his own voiceover he's doing
1: it <laughs> and it almost like without thinking, just completely automatically. And it almost sounds, it might be, it almost sounds like ADR, like they recorded it after the fact and pasted it in. Probably,
0: cause I mean, you like watch you his lips and he's barely like, <laughs> he's getting, given to the camera. One of our chief
1: mumblers, yeah. Yeah, it, it, it's just a really funny, like it's like the echo of a detective novel is there, mm. but it's not exactly, he's just mumbling and no one can fucking understand what he's saying. And yeah.
0: Funnily enough, I find uh, Altman famous Mumblecore man, and this is the, maybe this is why it's my favorite Altman. I have no trouble understanding and parsing Mm, the dialogue, whereas, you know...
1: McCabe and Mrs. Miller, I don't think I understood a word they were saying. Anytime there there was an indoor seen like an interior (laughs) couldn't understand a word pure vibes love the movie don't know what's happening (laughs) the worst one for that yes this one not so much yeah Yeah. it's not got that that real like overlapping soundscape thing yeah yeah
0: yeah i like that that's a really good i had not thought of that because yeah he is talking to no one constantly
1: no the time and like we that's a little bit of function of owning a cat i will admit that's what i do yeah. when I'm along with the cat. But all
0: cat owners are noir detectives you're nodding
1: along right now <laughs> yep. so congratulations yeah yeah so I, I like that a lot the other thing i just i just love the non-subtle it's references peppered in of, of like 40s and 50s stuff like the security guard is always trying to get people to guess what Impression he's doing, and these are like he's doing like Jimmy Cagney and Barbara Stanwyck, and, and like James
0: Stewart, Walter yeah. Brennan, yeah, yeah, like
1: elderly people shit, Kelly like, Grant's
0: in there, yes, yeah, yeah.
1: <laughs> even at the time, this would have been like elderly people shit, you know, yeah. And <laughs> there's one, there's one bit that I really like, I really enjoyed the police scene where they drag him down to the station because, like, the last person to see the ostensible murderer <laughs> was this guy, and. And they're trying to interrogate him, but he just keeps talking and he's just being so annoying. <laughs> and one of, the, one of the officers says like, he's a real cutie pie, this guy. And the Lieutenant turns to him and goes, what the hell does that mean? <laughs> Say what you mean. <laughs> and it's just a real like, and he just goes, oh, I just mean he's, He's annoying. <laughs> yeah,
0: I did not catch that. I know the. I know where that moment is because I yeah. remember hearing the explanation of him being a little like, oh, just he's like a wisecracker. He's yeah,
1: like, he's just being a wise guy. Yeah. yeah, which is just a really funny, like, ah, oh, real cutie pie. This one, and the guy's like, who says that anymore? <laughs> like, just a real direct stare you in the face and be like, nobody talks like
0: this. this. Isn't your grandpa's noir?
1: Yeah. <laughs> fuck you, grandpa. We've no, got like
0: chain going. smoker Elliot Gould. <laughs>
1: yeah god how many if you want to do a real like i'd like to die drinking game out of this take, take a shot every time he starts a new cigarette it's gonna be bad
0: and several times he's starting cigarettes off of old cigarettes like that level yeah
1: (laughs) it's not good the opening is my favorite part of the movie Mm. it's not that it goes downhill after that by any means but it's just such a wonderful little microcosm if it was just that if there was no other mystery i'd watch the shit out of that movie just like elliot gould's you know, no good, very bad day. <laughs> he's going to the to the grocery store and try and find the cat food. And he asks the guy, the clerk, like, hey, you got me cat food. I'm like, it's just this brand's fine. That It's all the same. And he's like, oh, yeah, you don't have a cat, do you? What do, you, what do I need a cat for? I got a girlfriend.
0: <laughs> just a real, he's like, this
1: door. 17-year-old grocery store clerk is cooler <laughs> than... Elliot Gould's character. Yeah,
0: it, it just the fucking slams out of nowhere all throughout this movie. It's body great.
1: blows left <laughs> and right in this movie <laughs> to like the a
0: soft, soft marshmallowy body.
1: Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So it's it's rarely do you get to see a movie that not even hates its main character, but has such a low opinion of its main character. Yeah, but still loves I love him. That. I think yes, that's why. Yeah, yeah. lovable loser.
0: <laughs> just meandering through a mystery. Yep. Yep.
1: So those are, those are my highlights, I think. Sweet. Yeah.
0: Love that. Great. Well, I know that you said you wanted to bring a segment today. Oh, yes. Today. Yes.
1: It's not a highlight, but it is a segment. Yeah. So uh, I know that we both love Morris the Cat, yes, purveyor of cat foods. Um, and it's just such a funny... I'm glad that you said that thing about, you know, you can't lie to Mm. life i think is the way he put it yeah there's like everyone else is smarter than you and even the cat knows that you're lying to it It is such a great opening for this this movie of like everyone is running circles around you right (laughs) Right now now, like intellectually (laughs) and so i wanted to look at like cats in film and and see because there there's something about this is such an antagonistic relationship (laughs) because the cat is Elliot Gould's equal in this scene and like kind of superior. But that's like not an uncommon relationship for people to have with cats in movies, which is just so funny. So I wanted to look at it and I'm going to call this segment Cat Bastards (laughs) because that's often the, you can workshop that if you want. I feel like you'll have a good cat button. First thought, the
0: cat's meow. Sure, great. There you go.
1: Cat's pajamas. All these other 50s and 40s. Yeah, yep, yep. Yeah, so a real, like, surprising through line of cats being smarter than people or, like, meaner than people or, like, cats are these very weird, like, antisocial but also very needy but also, like, you know, aloof, (laughs) loyal when they like you, just like they're, they're, they consider themselves people or, or they consider you a cat. It's yes. like one of the, one or the other. And they're
0: very decided that you are no better than them. Yeah. yeah. They,
1: they might as well be a, a human person. And then we kind of try, we start to reciprocate that a little bit. You know, I'll try to get in bed and the cat will be there and I'll I'll be like, no, I can't disturb her. You like, just make yourself can,
0: into a bizarre shape I you couldn't possibly her. sleep in. Yeah,
1: <laughs> there's, there's no reason for me to do that. But you kind of feel yourself doing it. So yep. I wanted to look at cats that do this in movies because mm-hmm. it's such a funny, like, common through line to do. Nice. This weird love-hate relationship <laughs> thing. So I want to uh, start with the possibly the peak of like orange cats in cinema which is jonesy from alien oh of course a classic yes. yeah
0: ginger cats i feel like are especially represented in, yeah
1: yeah in cinema. they're like a special little breed of cat yeah
0: i think because we all know they're especially bastards
1: yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah they've got the joke is they've got one brain cell that all ginger cats share between them and sometimes it's not their day yep. but i think that goes hand in hand with not giving a fuck about like their relationships with people so they can be especially <laughs> mean and alien well we've talked about this on our alien episode like Jonesy is a bit of a bitch yeah. because he doesn't care to like alert people that the alien is around he'll he'll just like find a safe niche and hide yeah. and like the alien tries to kind of look in the carrier where he is and he couldn't give less of a fuck yeah. that that thing is just another predator to I have, assume as he
0: is the alien doesn't kill him because it's just like game recognized game buddy totally that yeah. just doing it
1: we're, we're just trying to eat <laughs> yeah so there's that guy which is this like ripley's the one thing she goes back for is the cat like yeah. she risks her life to get this cat onto the <laughs> shuttle safely which i think is so funny because she's so like focused and like if they die they die Exactly. everyone else. Elliot
0: Gould's character here yeah. <laughs> I'm just like the highest status I know what's right for everybody and I'm right all the time yes like, exactly but they still
1: have this little weakness for orange cats which I love <laughs> I have to give a shout out to like anyone who grew up in Canada within a certain couple of decades the cat came back as a oh <laughs> classic gosh, like yeah. the whole movie it's this animated like National Film Board thing about a cat that just won't die, yeah. and the owner keeps trying to kill it, but it just exists to torture him, which I think is so funny. Mm-hmm. That's all the movie is about. Yep. Is it's the like, cat makes this man's life a living hell. It's a short,
0: right? Like it's like ten yeah. minutes max. It's yeah, like, like twelve minutes or something. Song a long song length. Yeah, if that's about <laughs> it. But yep.
1: Yeah. So just, is
0: that a ginger cat too? Oh God, I think it is.
1: I thought it was gray. Uh, I yeah. don't. I don't know. I'll have to. I'll have to check on that. That'd be very funny if it was. <laughs> Uh, detouring a little, little bit, but Kiki's Delivery Service is a funny one, too, for me, because Gigi, the cat, is so bitchy and funny, and it's the Phil Hartman English dub. He's I magnificent. I love
0: Phil Hartman's yeah, he's cat performance. Yeah, a marvelous,
1: <laughs> it's a marvelous performance. Um, but he exists more as, like, a symbol of, like, I could walk away at any moment, and she mm. takes that relationship for granted, and then when he stops, she stops being able to understand him. Like, they talk English to each other. Yeah. Um, and it's a symbol that she's, like, growing up when she yeah. can no longer understand the cat. So it's this kind of, like, ineffable, like, we can, you can't fully understand your relationship with this animal. Yeah, it's, the it's mysticism of innocence or whatever. Yeah. 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 So that's a kind of another funny one where, like, the cat could leave you at any time. <laughs> it's a little less, you know, it's, it's the edges are softer because it's for kids, but... <laughs> Um,
0: yeah you can't be confronted with what a cat's actually like a child yeah this is... you have
1: gotta really ease them into it yeah <laughs>
0: life's <laughs> mysteries
1: <laughs> the cat pet cemetery classic evil oh. cat of like the cat is a literal symbol of there's something evil in this graveyard i know
0: nothing about pet cemetery i didn't realize that there like is the cat a main antagonist <laughs>
1: kind of okay. it's the the cat is the first uh spoilers for pet cemetery i guess yeah. they the family moves into a, a home that's right by a highway and the cat is the first one to get i keep wanting to say pancaked by a dump truck driver and that is unkind but i think you should leave as rewired my brain in that respect i'm sorry uh,
0: we're just gonna do a supercut at some point of the amount of times you say <laughs> pancaked by a dump truck on this
1: podcast. <laughs> it's gonna be really off-putting <laughs> um, church gets hit by a truck they're very sad Church is the cat. Church is the cat. Okay. They bury him in the pet cemetery, which is cursed. He comes back. And this is the first sign that something's not good. So when their child, their, like, two-year-old also gets gets hit. I wasn't going to say it that time. (laughs) Awful. Gets hit by a truck. They bury him in the cemetery knowing that he'll come back. But, like, oh, there's something wrong with him. So, uh... And I, I encourage all of you to go look at the premiere photos of the most recent Pet Cemetery. Yes, that, that cat, cat dressed up for the premiere. He's wearing a small bow tie, and he looks so happy to be there. <laughs> He's so cute. So well,
0: that I'll tell you, who the real antagonist of Pet Cemetery is politicians not passing safe street laws. There <laughs> Jesus you <Christ>. go. Yeah,
1: <laughs> car, car uh, specific, car focused infrastructure. <laughs> the real villain, <laughs> a, a greater evil, never was. <laughs> um another one that i like is from russia with love where like blofeld's cat where you don't see oh, him course. but you just see him stroking the cat is the meant classic. to be like oh this guy's messed up like there's some. this and the godfather <laughs> i think both is like he's so evil but he has this propensity for a cat that means the cat must be like not entirely this guy's
0: so messed up a cat likes him yeah <laughs>
1: a little bit like that right where it's like oh you guys have a relationship but that's not good yeah that's that's bad yeah (laughs) might as well um and I like a girl walks home alone at night there's that cat in it Mm. as well where previously it kind of belonged to like the you know quote unquote protagonist guy and then all of a sudden this woman comes along and the cat immediately takes to her (laughs) and she like you know they go on the new adventure so an indication
0: of something eldritch happening exactly Mm. yeah
1: and there's you know, know there's so many correct or no stories about like oh cats are familiars Mm. or they're like agents of satan and all these things and and uh i think that there is a reason for that they're like almost like people but not quite they're the
0: uncanny valley of animals
1: yeah (laughs) of like animal human yes yes, yeah yeah. exactly yeah (laughs) and so I i think morris is such a great example of that where it's like You'd think you'd be able to out- outsmart this cat, but there's something a mm-hmm. little. There's one level more for <laughs> for the cat. So
0: I love the shots of him trying to like peek in the kitchen after yeah. the slats are closed. <laughs> what are you
1: doing? <laughs> also, rarely do you see a kitchen set up like that anymore, where there's like a, a set of wooden doors that you can collapse shut to get into the kitchen. Well,
0: this movie is seventies rific. Like it's true. It's true. Really, like, you can tell that every time Elliot Gould lights a match, he's in danger of setting the entire place aflame with yeah. the polyester that's going <laughs> yeah. on in here.
1: Yeah, that's true. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So there you go. That's that's uh, one the segment on cats, which I'll leave a space here to edit in the name of the segment that we decide on.
0: Very good. Nothing else came to me. I was hoping to be able to just, like, <laughs> as you said that, be able to be like, uh, cats, meow, and you'd be able to teletype that in or whatever. Oh, no,
1: I'm just going to leave it like what you did. Oh, just okay. Now. Yeah. Perfect. So add... Th- oh. <laughs> that's what I'm going to call the segment. There you go. Very good. Add this to the canon of movies with cats in them that make you go, Hmm. 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 What's Something going up with this here? cat.
0: Yeah. Well, uh, I think that's all we have to say about Long Goodbye. Let's move on to our final thoughts and then on to double billing this guy. Indeed. Yeah. So we're... Uh, I just love... I'm... Really happy to be talking about noirs. I just, I miss them. I feel like it's been a long time. This is your month. This yeah. is your time. I don't even like noirs that much. It's just, I'm like <laughs> really big into them right now. So. I
1: feel like so, just some of the movies that happen to be noirs are so, so good. Yeah. Like yeah. the craftsmanship and, and the, yeah. There's yeah. still that vestige of coolness about <laughs> them, you know?
0: Something I crave, having never experienced in my own life.
1: Make me cool. <laughs> <laughs> Elliot cool, <Gould>, I beg. <laughs> Bad role model. <laughs>
0: Please, if you would take us away with your final thoughts on the long goodbye.
1: Yeah, well I I think it's just such a great uh example of all the the various things it is. Mm. It's at the peak of its craft for for all aspects. So I mean, all of these interesting cinematography things and like evoking that feeling through technical stuff, that's so cool. I always appreciate but never understand when when that happens, but yeah. you can tell when it works. For and anybody
0: just... going to watch this movie, I'm sorry that now you know you <laughs> know that the camera never stops moving and you'll just be like, "Oh my god, oh, still Jesus. for what
1: <laughs> and the idea of modernizing something but the point is that it can never be modernized mm. it was it, it literally is a what if a 40s detective but in the 70s yeah. not a what if 70s detective mm. that's colombo we already have one well yeah those. that's
0: because yeah. this is what i was like colombo is portrays himself as a loser guy but you've got the like,
1: secretly hyper competent
0: and also he has a like a thing that you're like but actually he's a wife guy so he's kind of cute right Elliot gould's Marlowe has none like he doesn't have anything redeemable other than maybe he's kind of nice to people
1: yeah he's like not a bastard <sighs> yeah. to people and that's kind of the best yeah anyway a I very off, average guy no 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 that's great so. uh yeah like it does such a good job of both highlighting how out of touch and, like, charmingly, stupidly naive those characters were, while also highlighting how, like, empty, howlingly empty the souls of these people that he's interacting with are. Yeah. Um, it, nobody comes out of this looking good, which is quite a feat, considering that you're trying to play those two things against each other like you'd think one would kind of emerge as the preferable. Well, no, like not really.
0: The Like, the gangster Marty Augustine is so... Like he's very mean, yeah. Uh, obviously, doing violence, horrifyingly but violent. He's so eccentric that you almost like him more than Marlo, I feel like the yeah. the scenery is like I stripped naked and apologized, so yeah. let's all do that now. You're yeah. like, what?
1: Who's this what clown? Yeah. <laughs> do we? Have Cocaine's to? a hell of a drug. Yeah, oh for sure. <laughs> yeah, but it's it's this very like surface level. Like you can. Skate by on you know personality quirks mm. and have nothing like no substance to you. Very <laughs> funny. Um, yeah, and I, I the if I may cede a little clue as to what I'm gonna be double bill with. Well,
0: it's a mystery movie. Clues yep, are important.
1: I'm doing good screenwriting. <laughs> I learned it from Lee Brackett. <laughs> Ultimately, justice is kind of seen to be done. Like the the people mm. who you know having followed along this movie, the people who deserve it quote unquote are punished but it doesn't deter further crime or violence. Yeah,
0: like that gangster is so happy he's, Oh, he's, he's having going- a
1: great <laughs> life and he coke-bottled a woman in the face and she's still with him. Yeah. And yeah, the good guys still they don't they there's no like it's not a zero sum thing where by punishing the bad guys you move up a notch. Mm. No, you're still stuck down here. Yeah. Like there's no winning for anybody no. in in this movie. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> those are my takeaways it's a real i feel like we're presenting it as more bleak than it is but, but i feel it's like not... it's
0: got that undercurrent to it <sighs> yes definitely like, yeah. it, everything like you look at it and it, it has the like the v- vapidity and mm-hmm. superficialness that would go along with something that's satirizing la culture so like sure. it, that makes sense but yes. like it's not the feature
1: no the it's f- just the environment yeah exactly yeah yeah i think
0: so i think good. we're right to be noticing and expressing
1: that yeah thank you yeah. justified
0: i'm here to say you're right (laughs)
1: that's what the whole podcast is for
0: listener her head still has not moved it's crazy
1: (laughs) you're lying (laughs) a classic la thing to do no i'm just kidding (laughs) what's your takeaway
0: well i talk about this all the time on the pod but my favorite way to tackle like a genre or subgenre is to like get up to the line of parodying it like this (laughs) sure like I said, it's just it's just kicking around a '40s detective for like for no better reason than it it's what expresses in the story and it's kind of what you just want to do. Sure. Uh, it's not Long Goodbye isn't a great big mystery. Like I know the first time I watched it, it was just kind of like, oh yeah, that's how it turned out. Like it wasn't even like I can't wait yeah. like to figure out the mystery of the Sylvia murder.
1: The stakes weren't high. No. Somehow. Yeah.
0: <laughs> like the big reveal of this movie is that the detective isn't good. Like
1: <laughs> he's he's. Adequate. Yes. He's very average.
0: (laughs) Uh, he's he's clearly like we're saying parody slash satire ish of that forties detective. I really like that. But uh, Aaron knows this very well. I love a protagonist who is a loser, uh, as discussed previously. You do, you do. Especially if that loser does not learn anything, and if like <laughs> sometimes the superpower of the loser is that like they were such a loser that they happen to say the thing that's important. Like that never happens in this movie. No. And I yeah, it's the thing that sticks with me so much, and I love it. It just. It's the character equivalent of like the noir thing is always the system doesn't change or like nobody's better off. Or we're stuck in the same spots. This is the internal character version of that to me mm. is just like the system of this man is still Stupid.
1: He'll never learn anything. Yeah. Yeah. yeah.
0: You know, watching after this two hours, you're like, oh, that man will never change. He'll be dead in a week.
1: Honestly, (laughs) the return of Hooray for Hollywood, it kind of makes me think that he just like laid back down to sleep and did not get back up again. You know? (laughs) He went to rest until he's needed again by his kitty (laughs) cat. Exactly. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Nice. So that's about,
0: that's about where I'm at with, with all this stuff. Yeah. So uh, let's move on to double bill this as we're wont to do. (laughs) Uh, please take us away with your first Noirvember double bill.
1: Oh, exciting. Okay. I have a great, the title is great for my first November uh, Noirvember double bill.
0: I should have thought of one of those.
1: Oh, well, there you go. Oh, shit. No, sorry. I don't have a title for the double bill. The title of the movie Ah, is really good for, for noir. Sweet, sweet. I wish it were a noir. It's kind of a noir. I am going to double bill this with what you could argue is a trashier version of some of these themes, like the bad guys technically are punished, but not in a way that changes the system at all. Mm-hmm. The good guys still suffer for it. Um, it's big on like alienation of, like at the time, modern mm-hmm. life, the time that the movie came out. Okay. And it, there's almost this like just by sort of waking up into this this environment in literally in the case of Elliot Gold like <laughs> you're you're you know you're doing harm or you're sinning or you're you're part of the problem just by walking around <laughs> in the environment because it's so bad. Um, I'm going to double bill this with a Gia Jenki movie from 2013, Ooh. A Touch of Sin.
0: Oh which yes, is an important
1: yes. thing to uh, sin, not Zen, though it is sort of. That's a kind of a Referen- play on that. Referential to that, yeah. yes. Yeah, so this this movie is... It's kind of a little... I don't know, it didn't, like, blow the roof off anything, but it's a, a cool little anthology of, like, random acts of violence. Yeah, but, like... Um, they're all based on real events, which is That appear is like
0: random acts of violence, but yes. those anthology movies to show you how those come about. Yes, yeah. exactly,
1: to dig into them a little. So one is, like... Um, a guy working at a factory, they're they're forced to sort of go to a celebration of, like, the town officials who have been, you know, secretly siphoning money away from the town. <laughs> the guy gets fed up and, like, machine guns the officials to death. And that's the, and... like, the
0: bit that's on the poster, if I remember right, that that guy. Yeah. yeah, yeah, I think
1: so. One woman who works at a spa and is constantly harassed by, like... I can't remember if it's soldiers or... It's like gangsters, officials. right? Uh eh, maybe. Yeah, it's kind of implied that they're, like, thugs. Thugs of some type. Yes. And she finally snaps and stabs one of them after, like, enduring a lot of harassment. And... But she turns herself in. She, like, oh, yeah. is freaking out and calls 911 and turns herself in. And a worker who um, is bouncing back and forth between all these, like, very, like, dangerous and exceedingly underpaid under protected jobs (laughs) like factory jobs and ends up jumping out of the window of one of the I mean like you know company tenements essentially that they've built to house their workers slash lives and oh there's another one and I can't remember what it is oh um a guy makes friends with no it's the same one I don't remember it's fine.
0: Movie watchers can go and enjoy that. One. Yeah, yeah,
1: go check it out. A secret one, <laughs> a secret fourth thing. But the when this came to mind, it was like, no, it's exactly, it's not exactly, but it's just like first of all, an anthology is a real like kind of, you know, mirror of the serialized novel. Kind yeah, of thing. where, where you've got putting a bunch of
0: stories kind of going on. Yeah, yeah.
1: But they're all sort of on the same theme, mm-hmm. and it's just like everyone kind of trying to break out of this horrifying like system of just emptiness and just like take 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 Mm. and everyone just scrabbling and you know and and they do have this sort of overarching message of there is no way out of this no one is winning in this scenario it was never good in the first place. Like you can't idealize the past. Yeah. Um, oh, one yeah. of the guys goes back to his hometown and it's like just as bad there kind of thing. And, yeah. um, But also we're moving in a horrifying direction towards the future. Why and, doesn't like,
0: anybody see this? Yeah, yeah.
1: And we all do, but there's the, the ruts are there, you mm-hmm. know, there's kind of no way out of them. So they're both pretty bleak, yeah. but like weirdly funny. A Touch of yeah. Sin does have these like funny little moments of like, you know, if someone, just a regular guy, is doing a crime, there's always the potential, like you know, that very thin line between comedy and tragedy. There's is a really bit there. with a
0: tomato truck right off the beginning that make that I remember that makes me yeah, laugh. Like it, it yeah. sets the tone in a in a bizarre way. But the thing that I like about this is that uh, both Long Goodbye and A Touch of Sin are you enter them with foregone conclusions because if you know a thing about A Touch of Sin, you know what each story is going to be. Yeah. If you, like, The Long Goodbye, if you examine that title and you watch the first scene of the movie, you know <laughs> what that means. It's a very long goodbye yep, to true, Yeah, that's true, actually, like, yeah. You you are told the plot. It's just
1: uh, letting go of, of Terry, yeah. really, is that movie. And yeah, A Touch of Sin is, like, you know, you, either you can read it as, like, you're sinning just by existing in this environment and contributing to the problem, yeah. or there are, like you know things are happening to you that everyone thinks are normal or are normalized but are actually bad like morally bad yeah um and i think it ends with like an opera performance and they turn right to the camera and be like do you understand your sin now which is very funny just this like very dramatic way of being like identify the sin (laughs) but it won't matter so yeah that's that's my double will and i i feel like I, I struggled with this for a bit but i feel like the long goodbye is the artier one it has oh. all of these sort of very moody like the technicalities are flowing into making the mood and it's got this very like messagey not, not messagey but just a very like a strong theme mm. and touch of sin has a lot of like explosions and like gunning people down and it's like almost trashy in that way yeah, yeah. A, a very true crime kind of a an experience right because all yeah. of these incidents did happen mm-hmm. yeah so that's what I'm going to do. Sweet. A touch of noir. <laughs> it is
0: a very noir feeling yes. to, to that movie. Yeah, Yeah, it's you funny. come
1: away with like, damn. <laughs> yeah.
0: Because I feel like noir is a distinctly American, UK, and Japanese thing. Sure. It, it, that's kind of where, and I don't think that, I could be very wrong in this because I feel like Chinese movies go to like triad stuff to sure it's a very like gangster
1: noir. stuff is very common yeah. Of a, yeah
0: but this feels closer like a touch of sin feels closer to me yeah. <laughs> yeah
1: i would be interested to see if there's like a chinese noir tradition like if that's if that's a, a sub-genre that's well explored
0: the yeah i feel like it's just crime stuff it gets the closest yeah
1: yeah might inadvertently be noir or advertently i yeah. not say who knows yeah i certainly don't Chime in if you like Chinese noir and tell me what to watch. Actually, yeah, I would like to know.
0: Honestly. Yes. Yeah. Please. <laughs>
1: <laughs> We're so bored. <laughs> Over to you, Nick.
0: Well, I kind of mentioned it just now. I'm pairing this with a... It is another Chinese movie. Uh, pairing it with a Chinese crime movie. Nice. But I feel like kind of works as the flip side character-wise to what's happening in Long Goodbye, where we've got our mm-hmm. loose, meandering arguably competent detective working through stuff and just kind of stumbling along to the main character of this, which is the like hyper competent, also a loser kind of, but just like so good at their job, only the job, the job, the job, the job, the job.
1: Sure.
0: Uh, I'm going to pair this with a Johnny Toe movie from 1999 called running out of time, um, <laughs>
1: nice.
0: which uh, I'll mention that it's starring Ching Wan and Andy Lau. Uh, I feel like Andy Lau was pretty well known in, in uh, North America. For yeah, Chinese possibly. actors compared yeah. to to the norm, um, but uh, the the short version of this is a police inspector and excellent hostage negotiator Ho Shun Sang, and that's our our main character. Yeah. Finds himself in in over his head when he's pulled into a seventy two hour game of cat and mouse by a cancer suffering criminal out for vengeance on Hong Kong's organized crime syndicates. So.
1: There's so much going on just even in that synopsis.
0: Yeah, it's wild to, like, it doesn't feel like there's that much happening in the movie
1: as much. No, but it flows really well. Yeah. Yeah.
0: So Marlowe is cool because he's aloof. He doesn't give a shit that his life's a mess. He's just sleepwalking through life and casually solving mysteries. Yes. Ho Shang Sang is the exact opposite of the coin. He's a loser who takes his job way too seriously to the point of, like, he's cleaning the bathrooms at the police department. Yeah. He is. <laughs> he's like, a dork. He's a Huge dork. Yeah. Uh, but the result of that is that he, well, he, he feels like he can't waste time. He's just got to be, like, working through everything all the time. But that nobody is as smart as he is. So he's constantly degrading, like, his boss. He's yeah. constantly <laughs> being like, you're a moron. How could you not see this? I told you not to do this Don't again. make
1: decisions without me. Yeah. Imagine saying that to your boss.
0: <laughs> and, like, dumping his books, basically. Just, like. Yeah. Uh, so the result is the same for both of these guys, though. Nobody likes them. <laughs> they both think that police forces are one hundred percent full of morons that can't do their jobs and they don't trust anyone to do things properly. Right. They're just kinda like, No, I'm I'll I'm the one doing this. Like this I got my own way. Uh but I like these two together because they're both crime movies where the plot normally is the most important part.
1: Sure, sure.
0: Like that's usually the cell of the mystery, or like, is he gonna catch the bad guy? Has uh, to hang
1: together. Yeah.
0: But like it doesn't fucking matter for either of these movies like you can watch The Long Goodbye and you get to the end and like my first go through I was like oh okay huh plot wise but it's like so cool and (laughs) running out of time is mostly just watching uh these two these two bicker with each other and it's like an anti-buddy um cop movie where like they're just two charismatic guys just constantly yelling at people and you're like yeah they're fun
1: yeah
0: (laughs) (laughs) um but yeah, I find them both very funny. Uh, I just have like going over that synopsis. I forgot that there were crime syndicates in it.
1: I did too, yeah. actually. Like, yeah,
0: it's the focal point of the movie, and like ostensibly. <laughs> Um, God, yeah. But they're both so breezily funny and propelled by their charismatic leads all sniping at people.
1: Yes, very much.
0: Um, watching Elliot Gould smarm around town and all the character model uh, moments between him and others as the big sell of the movie. The same deal with running out of time. It's watching Ho interact with uh, his police. Like, him just dumping his boss's stuff and shouting at him all the time is so great. And Andy Lau, like, his interactions with Andy Lau is super fun. <laughs> so good. Um, no one learns a single lesson at any point constantly shown up to be idiots it's it's the
1: only point is to like one-up each other there's no it doesn't almost doesn't even matter if they solve the thing or not yeah
0: and i thought of a title for these two (gasps) running out of goodbyes oh that's actually a really good one yeah (laughs) sweet noir title (laughs)
1: hell yeah someone make that movie (laughs) nice nice
0: well we did it we're in Noir Vember. i'm excited to watch uh people rail against a system that they can't change I relate with that a lot. Much like, really well, yeah. <laughs> Is this
1: escapism anymore? <laughs> I don't. <laughs> <laughs> huh.
0: uh, do talk to us online about what you're watching this November if you want to hear some off the uh, the main line noir titles. I got a whole list I'm running through this year, so. Hit us up. I've got some faves. One here's one for free.
1: Watch Tokyo Drifter. <laughs> yes, it's very fun. nice. It's a <laughs> super cool looking movie. Yeah.
0: So you can do that at Pod on Twitter and Instagram. Uh, you can find me at Dick R. Navis on Twitter. Aaron, where can the people find you? Uh,
1: if they want, I'm also on Twitter at Maclebase. M A C L E B A S S.
0: Great. And just like a regular noir, we learned nothing today, but we'll come back <laughs> next time for another adventure. And I hope that you will join us for another pile of garbage.
1: Come on. Kid, you're hungry, right? Hey, why don't you think of all the tigers in India they're killing because they don't get enough to eat? Don't believe that one, huh?